Boston could be facing a billion-dollar shortfall. It's from tax revenues because commercial real estate values are falling. Remote work and other factors have really hit the city. So can the damage be reversed? And if not, can Boston adjust fast enough? Two guests to help us talk about that. Evan Horowitz wrote the report that came up with the estimate. He is executive director of the Center for State Policy Analysis at Tufts University, and the report was commissioned by the Boston Policy Institute. We also have WBUR senior business reporter Zaninjur Enwameka. Evan, welcome back. Thanks, Tiziana. Great to be here. And Zaninjur, welcome back to you, too. Not sure we have Zaninjur right now. I'm sure we'll get her back. Evan, I'm going to start with you. Evan, so I'm imagining that when one starts a report like this, one has a hypothesis about what one's going to find. Did you think the city was going to be facing up to a billion-dollar shortfall? Well, I try to enter these kinds of things without too strong a hypothesis. I mean, the best part or the most important part of nonpartisan research is to follow the evidence where it leads. But for sure, I knew that commercial real estate was in crisis, that uh, that would put downward pressure on the Boston budget, and that there would be some kind of trouble. Did I expect a billion-dollar shortfall uh, or plus? No, I did not. And the biggest surprise to me was the degree to which the city is really dependent on revenue from office buildings and other commercial real estate. It is more dependent on that tax revenue than basically any other city in the country. Why, Evan? Why would we be so different? We are so different because we are not allowed to do other things. The state of Massachusetts basically had this deal, has this deal with cities where they say, you know what, you can have property taxes, but no other taxes. You can't have a local sales tax. You can't have a local income tax. You have to raise revenue through the property tax. And we'll supplement that with aid. We'll handle the the sales tax. We'll handle the income tax. We'll give you state aid. Um, That's a really unusual setup. Most other major cities have some kind of local sales tax or local income tax or other opportunity to raise revenue. Boston doesn't have that. As a result, we became really dependent on property taxes and in particular really dependent on commercial property taxes. They make up about almost 40% of total revenue in any given year comes from commercial property taxes. That's a really high number. So uh, actually, we had Mayor, we have Mayor Woolen every month. Last month when we talked to her, she, she telegraphed that this report was probably coming and she was concerned about the numbers. You're going to hear that here. We are going to start to really absorb the financial impacts of the change in downtown over the next two years or so. The city of Boston's budget, our, our public um, government resources and, and services are funded almost three quarters by property taxes. As we're trying to build up downtown into more residential, more activity, the corresponding shift in what's happening with commercial buildings is is arriving now. And so it's a lot to balance in, in all the next couple so, months. So two pieces that I want to follow that, and we do now have Zaninjur and Wameka, a WBUR senior, senior business reporter with us. Zaninjur, she said there, you know, trying to convert downtown into more residential, more activity. Um, the city is doing lots to try to put other kinds of things in those buildings, correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the city has been doing a lot of things to figure out something um, to do with a lot of the vacant uh, buildings that we have downtown, um, as well as just generally trying to make it a livelier space that is attractive to people. So everything from new public art to block parties and other sorts of events. But in terms of the vacant buildings themselves, the city has been trying to help small businesses fill some of those vacant storefronts there. They have a grant program where they're giving local entrepreneurs money and other types of assistance to help them open businesses in some of the vacant storefronts that we have downtown. 
Now, the city has done two rounds of grants so far, and some of the first grantees have already opened businesses downtown. Um, there's likely more to come. I actually spoke with um, Michael Nichols about this. He's the president of the downtown Boston Business Improvement District. And he says things are, you know, starting to change downtown. Looking for some sound here? I think we're looking for tax, For too. anyone that says, oh, yeah, we knew Tom was going to lead nope, us to victory. That's, that's going to be some sound for later. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. So, Zininger, thanks for throwing yeah. in that sound, but we're going to let sorry, it go. No. That's all right. All right, so let me come back to Evan here, Evan Horowitz. So, Evan, uh, so Zeninger lays out what else we're trying to do, the city's trying to do in those buildings, right? And that raises a question for me. We're talking with Evan Horowitz here with Zeninger and Wemeka after a report that Evan authored that shows that the city could be facing up to a billion dollars in tax oh, shortfalls. Over, over. Over a billion dollars yeah. in tax shortfalls. So that raises the question, you know, Tax policy can be a little convoluted. Does it matter what Boston has in the buildings? It it makes a huge difference. And it's really important. I mean, I don't want to diminish the uh, value of the programs the city has put in place to increase the vibrancy of downtown in the face of empty offices. But in a lot of ways, it does not solve this particular tax problem. It solves the vibrancy problem. And you need to solve that problem, right? We need to make the streets alive with people and activity. Um, But that won't fill the coffers. And the basic reason is we charge a higher property tax rate on office buildings than we do on residences. So if you convert office buildings to oh, residences, nice. you lose a lot of tax revenue. You you solve the vibrancy problem, but you actually don't do anything on the tax side. And the same thing with uh, helping small businesses get in. The way we're doing it is by giving them money. Um, it's very hard to solve a problem where you need to raise money by giving people money. Uh, so these are really important steps in the effort to make sure that downtown Boston remains a hub of activity. They are not all that useful, maybe not useful at all, in solving the tax revenue problem. So Zeninjor, to that point, um, you've got what's in the buildings, and you've got who's going to make purchases. You just laid out for us, um, uh, you know, efforts to bring small businesses in. That's different than, you know, filling the John Hancock Tower with big corporations that'll take 20 stories at a time, right? But you've also talked in the past about foot traffic and lack of foot traffic. You reported at one point it was down significantly. Um, We got to bring buyers back in if we're putting sellers back in those buildings as well as an injure. Sure. Yeah, certainly. And and that is, um, you know, some of the ongoing efforts that are going on downtown to really bring people in and and get those buyers in. Um, Part of that is also trying to attract a different mix of businesses. So, you know, I mentioned the city's efforts to, uh, you know, bring in some small businesses, um, but also, you know, downtown overall has seen, um, even now has more restaurants uh, now than it did before the pandemic. So newer restaurants are coming in. Um, There's also some larger businesses, um, some corporate chains that have opened up shop um, downtown. Certainly there are still, you know, vacant storefronts. Uh, so there's still work to do there. Um, and so it remains to be seen how, you know, some of those efforts will, uh, chip away at this problem. Um, but certainly there are efforts to really try to attract a more diverse range of businesses and in turn, a more diverse clientele, um, that is less focused on the office worker, I think the feeling is that, you know, gone are the days where 
we can, you know, rely on office workers being the main clientele downtown. And so now there's a shift to thinking about tourists, uh, other types of visitors, residents, students, um, and less so of a focus on, you know, office workers who may be stopping by somewhere on their way or after work. So to pick up on that, Evan, I think you're the one who called this, quote, an economic act of God, unquote, caused by a pandemic that we couldn't have foreseen being this bad. Um, you know, the Boston Globe reports last week that some moves by some of the big employers to change this work from home policy start to try to bring people back. Fidelity saying, hey, you got to be in two full weeks out of every four. Deutsche Bank AG saying you can't be out on a Friday and a Monday. You know, just some interesting changes. And yet, what Zaninjur says about it's not going to go back to the way it was before still seems to ring true. It, 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 is this just a rock and a hard place we don't have a way out of in the city of Boston? Yes. Yes. This is not cyclical. This is not a problem we're going to wait out and then people will come back downtown. The data is pretty clear here. Yes, there's not as much remote and hybrid work as there was two years ago, but it has been pretty stable nationwide for the last year you know, about a third of people working some kind of remote life. And workers, we have a, you know, an employment situation right now where workers have a lot of leverage. So they're going to continue to work remotely if they want to work remotely. You know, and I think this is a fundamental challenge with a problem like this. We often think of economic problems as cyclical. Something goes wrong, unemployment increases, then it goes down, we have a recession, we get through it. That's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about the arrival of a new normal where people, businesses do not need as much office space. They just don't. And so office space is less valuable and probably will be less valuable more or less indefinitely. So the city needs a whole new setup for funding its services, schools, uh, parks, um, snow cleanup, uh, police. Otherwise, we're just going to end up in a situation where we don't have enough money to fund those services. The services will get worse. People will not want to live here. And we end up in this kind of doom loop. Too. So you're, yeah. you, when, you know, at the beginning, you said essentially my words, not yours. The city has its hands tied by state policy around taxation. You can use property taxes, but not other forms. Sounds like you're saying the legislature needs to do something else. Well, the, we could change the mix of property taxes. The city has some options, right? We could They could raise taxes on residents. Pro- residential property taxes are not very high in Boston right now. So you could see that. It's politically not very popular, but you could see that. But beyond that, yes, it would be extremely helpful for the city to have more taxing authority, whether it came in the form of a local sales tax or maybe a congestion pricing, so- something like that, um, because the old mix is just not going to be sustainable as a way to raise revenue in the long term. Okay, so uh, a couple questions about efficacy here. I'll go to Zaninjur and then I'm going to come back to you, Evan. So Zaninjur, and yet there are also moves by the city to try to do at least other things to change what the city of Boston sort of looks like, right? Who's in the buildings? Who's walking through the streets? All those kinds of things. Overall, in your reporting, are you getting a sense that that's being done effectively? Well, I think from from what I can tell, I think a lot of it really remains to be seen. Um, there's certainly a lot of intention and effort and energy around it, but it really remains to be seen. As I mentioned before, there's still several vacant storefronts. And so, you know, hopefully they will be filled. There is at least one particular effort with the grant program I mentioned to help fill those. Um, the downtown Boston Business Improvement District has certainly, you know, been working uh, with other sort of business interests um, who are 
you know, looking at some of those storefronts potentially uh, to sign leases there and move in. So there's certainly intention, but I think it does remain to be seen. And I think, you know, to Evan's report, you know, the city does have a huge challenge on its hand. And certainly, you know, there is this shift that has happened. And even the businesses that are there downtown, they they already have accepted that. Many of them have even tweaked their own businesses, um, whether it's changing their hours, um, focusing on different types of customers, um, changing the sorts of date, their staffing plans, all in, in, in an effort to adjust to what the current foot traffic is um, and, and, and to adjust to the fact that they can no longer rely on sort of that after work rush. So businesses have already made that shift. Now the city, you know, has, has a challenge on its hand to also, you know, sort of start figuring out how to, on the monetary side, figure out what, you know, what to do with this uh, projected shortfall. So that raises the other question on the monetary side. Uh, Evan Horowitz, uh, there was this thing, is this thing called payment in lieu of taxes, right? Get started back in 2009, Mayor Menino, because so many nonprofit organizations sit on big footprints in the city of Boston, hospitals, university, you got a Boston College, for example, or a Boston University or a Mass General Brigham Hospitals, asking those entities to pay some money in lieu of the taxes they would be paying if they were for profit. Uh, is it likely we'll see bigger pressure from the city for these? It's called pilot, right? For more pilot money from these nonprofit institutions? 100%. 100% because the city is going to need to look for additional revenue. And those, a lot of those institutions are very well-heeled institutions, right? They're nonprofits or they're charitable organizations. They're 501c3s of various kinds, but they have a lot of money. We all know they have a lot of money. Um, and so there's always this fight to say, well, you really should be paying property taxes. You know, there's this idea that you're a nonprofit is kind of fabricated. Um, and we'll all go along with this fabricated idea, but only if you agree to pay us some money. And I think that'll be one of the political dynamics. The other political dynamic to look for in the city is that business uh, owners of buildings are going to start pushing back. Because the one way the city has up to now limited the impact on its budget is by sort of just assuming that the offices are worth exactly what they used to be and taxing based on what they were, what they were, were worth, you know, four or five years ago. And we've gotten to the point now where the Owners and lots of businesses are going to fight back in tax court. They're going to say, no, no, no. I know, you know, this office is worth 20% less, 40% less, 60% less. You have to tax me on that new value. That's coming. It's coming this year. All right. Lots to watch for. Evan Horowitz, Executive Director of the Center for State Policy Analysis at Tufts and WBUR Senior Business Reporters in Ninjor and Wameka. Thanks so much to both of you. Thank you, Tiziana. Thank you.